White Sox. White Sox. Go, 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 go. Call your sons. Call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. Well, it's a perfect game. Win Echo. Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Mike Rankin, Sean Anderson also alongside us. We're back, but we're not staying for long. Chris Tannehill and Herb Lawrence are taking back the show. Really do appreciate them giving us the opportunity to be here and entertain you all. And we really do appreciate the passion of Locked On Sox listeners and Sox fans across the country and around the world. So thank you, thank you, thank you. For everything. Also, I'm excited. I'm a, I'm a little jacked up here because White Sox baseball returns tonight at guaranteed rate against the Houston Astros. We have a lot on tap. We have to get to it for the final show for you and I. So, Sean, let's uh, let's do that. Yep. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our lockdown rooms today. That's Mike Rankin. You can find him on Twitter at Rankin906. You can find me on Twitter, Sean Anderson, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can find the show on Instagram and Twitter at LockdownSocks. You can email us at LockdownSocks at gmail.com, and you can send your voicemails in at 312-566-8727. Mike, we are going to preview the second half in this first segment. Second segment, we'll preview the Astros-White Sox series. And then third segment, final segment, we'll give someone some credit that we did not mention in our Home Run Derby or All-Star Game talk. So a lot to do on Lockdown Sox today. Like you said, thank you to uh, Tanny and Herb for letting us fill in. But Mike, right now, our Chicago White Sox are atop of the AL Central. First place, they have a record of 54-35. and 35. And their magic number, Mike, I know it might be a little Start bit early, it. but they have, they have an eight-game lead. Their magic number is 67. So if they maintain this eight-game lead uh, for the for the next 67 games, they will lock up the division by then. So a lot of exciting stuff for the White Sox. And they're 7-3 and three in their last 10, so a little bit of a hot start. Right. And they got the break in the All-Star game, closed out strong in the first half. I want to start first with just the, where they sit in the Central. I think right now it's very comfortable. I'm not worried about Cleveland. We have handled the Twins. The Tigers and Royals still seem to be competitive, but too young to actually make an impact to this AL Central lead. I think the White Sox already have this division locked up outside barring, you know, some tragic, horrible injuries uh, that would derail this season because, you know, they've had enough already. Yasmani, Eloy, Luis all going down, but that still hasn't stopped this team from being first place in the AL Central, and they don't look like they're slowing down. Yeah, they're pretty good. I think they'll probably make the playoffs. Yeah, this is, yeah, we don't have to regurgitate all of you know the rest of the experts and people talking about the White Sox have been saying this is the worst division in baseball outside of the White Sox. So, yeah, let's make sure that you don't do things that put you out of contention. And you can't help what you can't control, which is the injury stuff. But the White Sox are, you know, we talked about it in the last episode. The amount of talent that they have internally, it's great. It's it's super fun to celebrate, but we're looking forward to the second half. That's a nice little tidbit you had with the magic number as well as the 7 of 10 uh, winning into the All-Star break. Second segment, I'm looking forward to just kind of previewing the rotation because you know this first series kind of presents some interesting challenges, uh, especially with Lance Lynn and the guys traveling for the All-Star game. But when it comes to the division, I mean, the White Sox, like you said, eight-game lead. 
the one third, well, excuse me, the one seventeen run di- differential is third in Major League Baseball for the White Sox. That's been huge all season long. When you think about it, like we talked about, yeah, they'll probably make the playoffs. But let's put it into perspective a little bit. So if the White Sox go, this, the White Sox have seventy three games left. The team behind them, Cleveland, has seventy five. So let's say the White Sox go a game above five hundred the rest of the way, thirty seven and thirty six. They will finish the White Sox with a ninety one and seventy one record. And I mean, we're shooting low mm-hmm. here. I think they're better than a 500 team, second half, get healthy again, you add. Just on that baseline, 91 and 71, Cleveland would then have to go 47 and 28 to finish the season a game up on the White Sox. To the win the division, not to go 47 and 28. To win the division in the second half, Cleveland 47 and 28. And when you look at the schedule, the upcoming schedule, I think the White Sox, well, they play eight against Cleveland the rest of the way, combined 13 with Kansas City and Detroit. I'm with you. Detroit's interesting. They pose some interesting young arms and talented young arms that could pose problems in the future, in the near future. But they're taking it easy, Detroit is. on the, So they're, they're not allowing these starters like Matthew Mann and Casey Mize to go more than four innings sometimes. So, I mean, the, the talent deficiencies in this <laughs> and the Twins, come on. What are you? Come on. What are you doing? Right. What, what is this? So the White Sox, like, yeah, what we're saying is let's kind of anticipate them to to get healthy. Mm-hmm. Make the right moves at the deadline, and and stay win- playing winning baseball until you get to August. August is when I'm like, okay, let's do this. We'll get to the key series soon because those are that's August is a huge month for them. I mean, I, I didn't even include some of the series uh, that we're going to go through, but there's a stretch in August that is terrifying. First, I want to talk about the run differential that you brought up, plus one seventeen. Um, the thing that's scary about it too is the Sox haven't been hitting home runs, and we saw last year that they won basically their division on hitting the home run ball. They went toe-to-toe with the Twins and just was trying to knock the, every single ball out of the park. Um, and shout-out to Frank Minichino, you know, F the home run. We all know this. But it is really shocking to see this team still be this dominant without hitting those home runs and not having that power. Yohan Mankata, even though he didn't have that power last year, his power's been zapped this year. Jose Abreu seems to be struggling with his, his power this year. Tim Anderson isn't finding that power right now. And then, obviously, Eloy and, and Luis not being in the lineup – that takes it down as well. So I'm just really curious about what you think this offense will look like in the second half. Will we see more of the first half 2021 White Sox, or do you think we might see some of that 2020 power come back? That is such a good point. You know, teams live and die by the home run, strike out the three true outcomes, walk, strike out, home run. And the White Sox, yeah, with losing, it has to do with a lot with losing Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez, and then Yasmani Grandal. I mean, he's getting on base. He was our power guy. And, and he's hitting home runs, and yet he's hitting below 200 or whatever it is or, or around the Mendoza line. That is unbelievable. But then the role players, the, the complimentary players are doing enough. I think it's on base percentage. Get on base. Things happen when you, you have guys on the base pads and Tony La Russa, not Not so much, like, across the first couple of months is putting guys in motion, like running into outs, sending Leary Garcia to second base on a stolen base attempt. Like, stuff happens, like, right? You, you want to put pressure on the opposing team. But when you when you get guys on base, you put the ball in play. I mean, you hear from Theo Epstein, who's now in the front office, talking about how he wants to change the game again, get away from the three true outcomes. Good luck doing that. It's going to take a few years. I think it's just so interesting that you brought up that point. I didn't even think about the lack of home run power and potential. 
Yeah, I mean, they're they're low, low. I, I believe, I don't think they're higher than 29th in the MLB. So it is just shocking to see that they were leading MLB, and we were like, well, coming into this year, they might shatter the home run record. And then that just completely flips on their head, and they do become this on-base team. Also interesting that you would, you said that if they go 37 and 36, that they would finish at 91 and 71. I predicted 93 and 69, so hopefully they go, uh, what, 30, 39 and, and 34? Four yeah, for my for it. my sake. Good job. Uh, that'd be good. But also, they're winning right now games at like about a sixty percent clip. So that would put them at forty four wins. So this is a team that forty four plus fifty four. I mean, this team could win ninety eight games. I mean, they're on track right now to win ninety eight games. Yeah, so how about and that would this? be huge for that franchise. Just to you know, go back to what we were talking about. The White Sox are second in baseball in on base percentage collectively mm-hmm. as a team. Uh, at a 341 clip, and that's behind Houston. Perfect. Hey, we're talking about the Astros. Uh, 344 clip, but the slugging percentage, you got to scroll a little bit. The White Sox are actually ninth. The, the White Sox are ninth in slugging percentage, despite the lack of power right. in terms of the home run. But when it comes to, you know, extra base hits, getting on base, Jose Abreu, doubles machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, complimentary guys. It's not all about the home run. Shout out Frank Mankino. Anderson's got uh, plus 15 doubles. Moncada's got plus 15 doubles. Uh, Abreu's got 15 homers. Uh, Grandal's got 14. So those are really your main power sources. And when you get Eloy back, when you get Luis Robert, I mean, the speed alone on Luis Robert's going to get you doubles. The power on Eloy's bat's going to you know bring back some home runs. But it, it is weird just to see this yeah. team kind of have this flip. I don't know if it is mainly Frank Minichino. I don't know if it's a Tony La Russa thing, but it is odd to see. Let's get into some of these key series for the White Sox that are coming up. Um, we have, first off, Houston. We're going to be previewing it the next segment, but just briefly here, they got the Houston Astros for three games, uh, July 16th to July 18th. At home, what are you thinking motivation-wise? Is there a huge motivation here for the White Sox to get back at the Astros for that four-game sweep? Or is it more, let's just get out of the All-Star break and continue to play our game? You know, we're 7-3 and three in our last 10. We already found our, our, our rhythm here. Astros don't mean anything. It's just another team. I mean, the diplomatic thing the team is going to say is like, ah, it's just another series. There's a lot of games left. We got to focus on the main goal, the day to day, this and that. But I think there's a little bit of chip on their shoulder. Sean, they got their asses kicked mm-hmm. in that series. Out, outside of the one game where it was a one more, one run final, two to one, they lost in the ninth inning, which was ugly. You know, there was a lot of conversation. Who should have they? You know, sh- should they have thrown in the ninth in that situation? But I mean, that was that was a bad series out in Houston. And the White Sox, what are their record against? Teams above 500, 16 and 24. Mm-hmm. At the time when they play these teams and they're above 500, the White Sox ultimately 16 and 24 overall as we, um, you know, lead into the second half of the season. Something to keep in mind. You want to, like, internally, they shut out the, the guys and the team or the player, people, whoever are following the team, all the noise out there saying, oh, they only slay bums. They're not listening to that. The talent is too good to say that this team can only beat bad teams. But it's going to be fun, like, as we continue to move on in this conversation, looking forward to teams that they're going to be playing among the best in baseball in the second half. Like, all right, nice little measuring stick, because this is what you're going to face in the postseason. Right. But also, again, they're having so much success well, without their main pieces. And you know, this is keep a, mentioning that. This is a team that I do worry about them facing, because like we said a little bit earlier, they are the best team in baseball and getting on base. And I do worry about this team with Cease and, and Giolito and Keuchel that when you, they start to walk guys, this is when it really starts to roll downhill for them. Same with Rodon. Um, and, and I do think that this team showed in that first game, in that first series against Houston, they were just absolutely on everything the Sox were pitching outside of, I think, that game it was 2-1. 
I yeah. mean, they, they didn't yeah. hit Rodon well, but outside of that, they, they tatted up basically everybody. So that's the big worry is can these White Sox get ahead? Can they put the pressure on the Astros in their ABs and make them uncomfortable? That's the big thing for this series for me. And how do they handle opposing pitching, like their top mm-hmm. arms? Like, right. Best pitching across baseball. But it's not. It, but it's also not name brands, right? There's no Verlander. McCullers has been great, but they don't have these guys like Garrett Cole, Verlander. Um, you're not facing guys like Shane Bieber. It's a very solid rotation, but also it's guys that you probably could, once you see once or twice, or once you see you know a well, second time around, that's the you difference. might be able to capitalize. So yeah. that's 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 the interesting there thing there. And they didn't see the Astros all last year. The thing about it is, you know, starting pitching is the difference maker. Uh, that just is what commands a baseball game. So if the White Sox can handle good pitching, which they've proven to do on multiple occasions this year, you brought up Shane Bieber, they've been able to handle him this year. But ultimately, like you got to prove it, and I think the White Sox are fine. Like There's a reason they're at the top of the league in several categories offensively outside of the home run. They're doing so many things right. Mm-hmm. And you have too many good players littered across the lineup outside of your two most productive, arguably, with Robert and... Aloy. Obviously, you want to continue to uh, reference Tim Mm. Anderson and Jose Abreu, Juan Moncada, Osmani Grandal. They're they're the pieces, but without the two, they're doing just fine. And we keep going back to that. And you brought up the rotation, not to jith conversation one way, but man— is there any concern about the rotation heading into the second half? The Sox rotation? Yeah. Are you are you worried about no. the bottom two? I, I really don't. I mean, Dallas Keuchel is Dallas Keuchel. He's going to let guys on base, but also he knows how to get guys out and how to get out of those situations. I, I'm not worried about Keuchel. Yes, he can have blow-up starts where he gives up seven earned, but I mean, the the game after when he pitched it against the Rays, people were like, where's Dallas Keuchel been? <laughs> Eight strikeouts. Like, he's a professional pitcher that is not going to get – too in over his head. It's it's somebody that I, I think that, yes, he does complain a lot after games from now and then, and I, I don't know if I love his presence, but he is a very professional pitcher, and I don't think that he's going to really let the wheels come off and fall off. He's a guy that's always constantly making tweaks, yeah. and I think that's that's going to be something that yeah, that's good point. really going to keep him straight. And then Dylan Cease, I think his stuff's phenomenal. It's just about can you make sure that it's getting over the plate. And he's your five-starter. And, and he's, and he's, and he's so. doing that for the most part. It's just, you know. He got rocked by Houston, and I think if he's going up against you know Kansas City and Chicago, the, you know the Cubs, if he's going up against the Twins, I think he can really hold his own. It's just can he make that next step? Yeah, and I, it's just more about gaining confidence against above five hundred teams. I don't want to think about what would happen if one or two of these guys have to leave the rotation for some odd reason. I'm not saying anything, right? But, but I think also fans would love it because that might mean Kopech in, this, might, in the rotation, the, which would be is, huge for them. Man, can we talk about that real quick? Like, how can right? Like, I'm sorry, but like, well, you're derailing conversations. Let, let's fine. let's get into it because <laughs> you you think about this having an impact on the second half going into the season. You wondered what the role of Kopech would be. He's in the bullpen, high leverage spot. He's their best high leverage reliever this year outside of Liam Hendricks, which you weren't expecting. Right? Is there an innings cap coming back this year? Are they going to monitor him to the point where like well, we, we can't start him? Your your guy James Fox has been worried that he might not even hit 100 innings. So I think that's the biggest but milestone like to the, watch. Is that the cutoff point for him? I don't think so. I was, this is Steven Strasburg thing. I, I think the thing with that they're just monitoring is the the hamstring and that that injury that he's still getting over and we're seeing him in the old Orioles series he was using back-to-back days not in back-to-back innings but he was using very efficient innings uh in those Orioles games and he was in, used in back-to-back games I think that they're going to try to stretch him out a little bit more and more and then I think when you see you know him in September I think you'll probably see 
two to three games where you might get two innings from Kopech. You might see him every other day or every hmm. two days, and you'll get him for two innings because right. I think that they might try to ramp him up so he can be a weapon in the playoffs. I don't think that they're worried about him. He's 24 years old. It's not like Strasburg, yeah. who's coming up at 20, right. needs a, needs an <laughs> inning limit. You're I mean, right. he's he's got the muscles. He's he's a, he's no, a grown yeah, man. Well, the thing is, he's he spent two years away from the game, coming off a major surgery. That's right. why they're trying to be conservative with him. But I'm, I, I think the body is what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. The, the, how the ball's coming out of his arm, how his body feels after every outing, how, you know, you're in between starts, like how many days in between he's going to the mound. And I don't know if it's a specific number. I really don't. I, I think I'm with you. I think it's a matter of we're going to monitor his workload, but it's not going to be a dramatic cutoff. Hey, you're done. Right. Because he's too valuable. The White Sox need him. And to your Keiko point, yeah, he's he might struggle. But when it comes to postseason time, he pitched pretty well in Oakland you know, against Oakland last year, and he's got the postseason pedigree. So am I worried? A little bit. A little bit about Keuchel? <laughs> a little bit. Well, let us know if you guys are, are worried about Keuchel or Cease at Locked on Socks on Twitter, at Locked on Socks on Instagram. You could also send us emails at Locked on Socks at gmail.com. We are going to break here, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about their record, the White Sox record against teams above 500, uh, teams, uh, the record against teams below 500 as well, because I think that's an important stat to bring up. And then also we're going to talk about uh, four more kind of series, four more stretches that you really need to pay attention as White Sox fans. And also we'll give some players to watch in the next segment here on Lockdown Sox. Do you like The League of Their Own? Do you like that movie? I've not seen it. Oh, okay. Why? I don't know. Okay. We'll be back on Lockdown Sox. Is that the right movie? Yeah. Field of Dreams. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, Field of Dreams. Have you seen Field of Dreams? I've seen Field of Dreams. Do you like that movie? Yeah, it's a good movie. Okay, let's break. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. You got to sign up for the email and text alerts with Built Bar like I did because then you won't miss out on limited flavors like what they have right now. Grasshopper cookie it's built bars version of the classic thin mint cookie that you guys all know and love all the flavor without that sugar just 150 calories 17 grams of protein and just five grams of sugar i'm down 24 pounds now thanks to built bar been getting those bad sweet treats out of my life replacing them with built bars and it's worked great as a matter of fact i just got my shipment in of my new favorite flavor german chocolate they are outstanding they're 180 calories 17 grams of protein only five grams of sugar and just four grams of net carbs. And I only got them because I signed up for their email and text alert. So as soon as my favorite flavor was back in stock, and that's the thing about a lot of these flavors, they sell out quickly. I was able to get in there and get my box of 18 before I go on vacation. So now I won't be without them even on vacation. And there's flavors for everyone at BuildBar.com. Coconut, Cherry Barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, Cookies and Cream. There's so many different flavors, an endless variety of flavors depending on what your tastes are. So order today, get the grasshopper cookie or even raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Isn't that cool? Go to Built.com and use our promo code LOCKED15. That's going to get you 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Welcome back to Lockdown Sox. I'm Sean Anderson. With me is Mike Rankin. We are continuing our second half preview for the Chicago White Sox. Mike, the record for the White Sox is currently 54 and 35. They have an eight-game lead in the Central Division over the Cleveland Indians. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yes, it is. Their record against teams above 500 is 16 and 24. Their record against teams below 500 is 38 and 11. And I think that stat against 
above 500 teams is important right here coming up against the key series because right now 16 and 24, I know most fans would worry about being below 500 in that, but I'm really focused in on how this team is going to face teams with winning records in the second half because that's going to be the team that's going into the postseason. That's the team that's building up this confidence. If they have an above 500 record against teams above 500 in the second half, that is way more important to me than anything that they've done in the first half. And coming up after that Astros series is a series in Milwaukee, July 23rd to July 25th. I know there's a lot of tailgate stuff going on. I know the, I think uh, Sox Machine's got a tailgate going up awesome. in Milwaukee. So if you guys want to go up there, uh, definitely head over to uh, their site, Sox Machine. Great site, great work by them. They are going to have a tailgate up there, so definitely go check that out if you're interested. But that series against the Brewers is very, very important to me because that's the second one after that Houston one, right? You've seen Houston. You've never seen Milwaukee. You can possibly get the revenge and the bad taste out of your mouth after that four-game sweep in Houston, and then you go and follow it up again with another red-hot team in Milwaukee. I think it's very, very important to see how this tone is set in July for them against teams above 500. That Milwaukee series is going to be huge, especially with their great pitching. Yeah, that's a great point, especially regarding Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. I mean, those are legit arms. And hey, shout out Corbin Burns, former future White Sox uh, <laughs> at, the, at the preseason or whatever it was, offseason. Uh, no, I the whole conversation, like right now, like when you talk about being 16 and 24 against teams above 500 in the first half, whatever. I don't. Right. I'm not looking at that. Because they're going to play a lot of teams above 500 in the second half. They're an incomplete team, which is still saying, look, 54 and 35. Best winning percentage in the American League across the first half. Let's celebrate that. I think it is a nice test to to open up against Houston and then eventually lead into Milwaukee. Because, look, you're facing some of the best pitching in baseball against those two teams across those first couple of series. So it's it's a perfect thing for me, at least in a perspective of let's— be real about where this team is going to have to be at the end of the year. Like mm-hmm. We have to play well against good teams. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's why I think these two series are huge. But then there's a stretch in August that really concerns me that this team might drown in. Uh, it's going to start off on August 12th. That's the Field of Dreams game. Uh, are you excited for that, Mike? Oh, yeah. That'll be cool. <laughs> I, guess. I don't care. Be Honestly, I don't care. No, it'll be cool. The movie's fine. Like, well, the movie's fine, but the spectacle is going to be awesome. They're already making you get tickets. It, they're already making it about the Yankees. No, I didn't get tickets. There's oh. like 500, and you have to be a billionaire to get them. Um, but I, I, I don't. You're not a billionaire. I, I don't. No, I'm not a billionaire, and I personally don't care about this. Like, oh. the Field of Dreams is a fine oh. movie. It might be cool, but like, you're just not a casual baseball fan. You're just flexing to the point where it's like, listen, I watch a lot of baseball, so this doesn't intrigue me because you're trying to draw casual fans to retain. I would rather have a Yankee <laughs> game at home. I'd rather face the Yankees in guaranteed rate and, and actually have this loud crowd rather than in a cornfield in the middle you know, of I Iowa. I saw the Yankees play the White Sox at guaranteed rate, and I counted like seven people wearing Cubs jerseys. <laughs> what the hell is that? Why do people do that? I don't know. Mental illness. Um, but anyways, New York Yankees starting on August 12th to August 15th. Then they play the A's August 16th to August 19th. Then at the Rays, August 20th to August 22nd. Then at Toronto, August 23rd to August 22nd. And then you're at home against the Cubs, August 27th to August 29th. That's a stretch from August 12th to August 29th, where you're basically having either key series because you're facing the Yankees who are above 500, the A's who are above 500, the Rays at home who are above 500, Toronto against uh, at home uh, above 500, and then you know, the Cubs being that rivalry. I mean, this is a huge stretch for the Sox. Man, that is, look, yeah, one day off. 
Yeah, one day off. That's the thing. You get one day off after that field. The dog Dreams days, game. you know, they talk mm-hmm. about the dog days. Well, listen, the White Sox, it's not dog days for them because they're still trying to compete and they're not bad. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, like you're you're at a point of the season when your legs are starting to get a little little weak, you know. And it's again, like when you mentioned, I want to go back to that stretch. They're playing Toronto on the road, the Rays on the road, uh, Oakland at home, the Yankees at home. They have that field of dreams game uh, as well, and then to end that stretch, Cubs at guaranteed rate. Right. That's a lot of mm-hmm. of really talented groups. Um, so yeah, that's a great great thing to point out. And then it leads into September. I mean, there's like we're looking way ahead here, and we don't know right. how the roster is going to look like and what's what's available to them. But that is probably the tell of the season well, right there. And and the Yankee thing too, just to add on it before we go to the Boston series in September, like that's going to be the big series too, or that that big stru- stretch run to see how Eloy actually holds up, because. At the start of August, you do have, you know, you're going to Wrigley and you have some important games. You're playing Kansas City, you're playing Minnesota, but it's nothing. I mean, if you lose those games, you're not going to lose too much ground in the in the, in the division. Um, but when you're going up against these big teams, you can put up, you know, you can get swept and, and stuff like that. This is going to be huge for how does Eloy actually look and how does this lineup click with him back in it. So I think that's going to be a huge stretch from August 12th to August 29th, yeah. watching how this team actually comes together. Then they have, they're hosting Boston in September 10th to September 12th. That's just always big because, I mean, we saw what Boston did. Giolito got rocked by them. And also, Boston's just always tough. They're top team. This is the team that you're going to be facing off against to either possibly win the pennant or, yeah, win the pennant. Or not win the pennant. But, yeah, possibly win the I mean, pennant. They could. Yeah. But also just secure the American League this year um, going into the postseason and secure home field advantage. So that's going to be huge for them against Boston to make up some ground for that sweep. I look at the division a lot. They didn't get swept, but bad series. No, no, no. I, right. We get it. Um, I look at the division, the amount of games they have left in the division. Like, that's what really matters. You like the home field, but the Sox have taken care of business in the first half to the point where the division's locked up. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you say. Eight games, Cleveland's not going to catch them. The pitching staff is good. They're hurt. They're dealing with injuries. That team is not talented enough to catch the White Sox. I don't care. So... Again, I want to reinforce, eight games against Cleveland, 13 between the Tigers and Royals, and seven against the Twins. That's that's easy pickings. I'm sorry. So when we're looking at the good teams, though, right. we're looking at the good teams, let's let's try and evaluate that. Let me, let me just paint this then. On September 12th, Sox get swept by Boston. And let's say the, that stretch from August 12th, against, starting against the Yankees, the Field of Dreams didn't game. Didn't go right. To the, to the Cubs. Rough. Didn't go yeah, right. Ugly. The final series we have to watch out for then is at Cleveland. You have five games from September 23rd to September 26th. We saw what happened in Cleveland last year when Carlos Rodown was breaking out, uh, you know, uh, blowing up on the on the mound after coming out of the bullpen. Like, if everything does go wrong <laughs> and that 47 and 28 record from Cleveland that you mentioned in the first segment comes true, that is where the Sox could be in trouble. So I, I don't want to. Put okay. a panic mode out there, All right. but Collapse I do. Mode. I do want to at least <laughs> just put it out there that the Sox could, if they don't handle their business yeah. at the right time, could be in trouble, well, and Cleveland saying. could be having hope. The Sox need to take care of business. That's mm-hmm. what you're saying, and there's a lot of just variables going on across a baseball season. We know that, right? Right, but I mean, realistically, things sort of tend to play itself into where they're supposed to be. And the White Sox, you look at all the projections, analytics, you can look at all of that. It suggests the White Sox are going to be, what is it, 90, 96th percentile that they're making the playoffs, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen, you know? It's just, again, like what we're doing now, 
try to avoid coast mode right. and then evaluate their performances against good teams. And I hope the team realizes what it would mean for this franchise to make the playoffs because they've just back never, seasons. never made it Let's back-to-back it. seasons. And it counts last year. I'm counting it. It does count last year. Except they didn't win the World Series, so it doesn't count. At least the World Series winner. It doesn't count. So the the Dodgers they don't get it. Th- didn't no, count. Okay. It doesn't count. But we made the playoffs last year. But that does count. Okay, that makes sense. Um, let's talk now about players and pitchers to watch. I got one, and I'll start it off here. Player to watch for me is Yohan Moncada. And I understand that he's been playing well. Um, his defense has started to slip a little bit, and the power hasn't been there. But I think the power is not being played up enough because his power has basically been zapped in ways. Um, his isolated power is the second lowest in his career. You look at his launch angle, that might be talking a little bit about it because his exit velocity is still very high. He has the third highest exit velocity. So maybe the power hasn't been zapped per se, but his launch angle is lo- the lowest it's ever been at 10.8. His second lowest was 12.3. So you look, he's not getting lift under the ball, right? He's still hitting line drives and hard line drives. But something that really stuck out to me was him against the fastball. He does not have a single home run this year huh. against a fastball. That's a good number. Good he stat. has got below a 300 slugging percentage against fastballs. He doesn't have the power this year against fastballs. He's killing breaking balls. He's killing off-speed balls. But he cannot keep up with the fastball. And that's something that I want to watch out for in the second half. Because if we come to the playoffs and, you know, you're going up against Shane Bieber— Try to hit 97, painting on the corners. Like, you're, you're having sh- struggles against everybody this year, against everybody's fastball this year. Well, what are you going to do against the elite of the elite? Boy, that's good, man. I like that. The Yohan Moncada is a really good pick in this segment. I think, you know, I would say the same. That That's definitely a player that you need to keep an eye on. There's just, it's weird, his tendencies this year. You know, he started off kind of rough. He got back into what we're used to seeing or expect to seeing from him at the plate. But, yeah, that's that's a good point. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about uh, Andrew Vaughn. I think that's mm-hmm. the – yeah, the, I'm keeping an eye on Andrew Vaughn because – you said him. Well, he's my favorite. So I, it's like he's handling Major League pitching in his first full prof- uh, like Major League season, and he's doing it well. I mean, there are deficiencies in this game because Big League pitching has sort of figured it out. There's a lot of swing and miss there sometimes. He's still got a great approach at the plate. It reminds me of Chris Bryant when he first came in. He understands the strike zone, mm-hmm. and he swings at strikes the majority of the time. So if Major League, if he can adjust, like he's getting better as the season progresses. Typically, it's the opposite. Sometimes a prospect comes up, he has success early. Look at Yermin Mercedes. You know, not exactly a good comp, but when, when a guy comes up early and has success early, they decline because Major League pitching has figured him out. It's the opposite for Vaughn. He's getting better. You mentioned yesterday about Vaughn that you possibly could have future or pictured that if it was 162 games last year in 2020, that he possibly could have made the Major League team at some point. I think he would have been on the Major League White Sox last year if it was a full season, yes. Can, can we put that into pers- perspective? Because I'm trying to think of like guys who made the jump, right? I know Mike Leake was drafted out of college and then put right into the big leagues. Yeah, he didn't have any Garrett Crochet team. Yeah, Garrett right. Crochet did never thing. pitch in the minor leagues. But for a hitter, that seems extraordinary. And the only guy I can really think of that made that type of jump this young, basically, in their career is Juan Soto. Obviously, Juan Soto didn't have the college experience that Andrew Vaughn did. And I might be missing somebody, but Andrew Vaughn, I think, had under 150 at-bats in the minor leagues. Well, the thing was about that, like in his 2019 year, when he was drafted, Mm -hmm. he had a full season in California. And then he came up and played, what was it, 40 games 
with the Arizona League plus Winston-Salem. So you total that in, that's like 108 games for a college player going into his first professional season. And, like, the numbers aren't eye-popping for Andrew Vaughn, like, when you look at his, his splits or and his, like, slash line. But for him to have the amount of success that he had in Winston-Salem, like, that was that was a very encouraging. Um, I don't know if you have the numbers in front of you, Sean, I I, if I was close or not. Um, yeah, well, what would you throw? So out I was looking. Uh, he, I know he played. Games? I know he played about uh, like over a hundred games combined in California, in college and in Winston Salem. Yeah, so college he played 160 games. In the minors, he played 55. I'm it talking about like his senior season, his draft his year, his 2019 okay. season. 20, and we'll, yeah, so 52 games in 2019 uh, for the California Golden Bears. Then in 2019, he played uh, 29 games in Winston-Salem. Okay, so it was under And then 100, 100. 23 in Kannapolis, and then three for the Arizona oh, So I, I was right. I yeah. jumped the gun. I so, got to give myself credit. So I mean, it was 100 games. Yeah, so I, right. and less than, what, 50? Kind of around 50, 50 games for his just minor league, just minor period, right. you know, White and, well, Sox affiliated what, ball. That's what we're saying. Like, that's, that's, that's impressive. So that impressive topic, for yes. him to make that jump. On like this that. point of just the Andrew Vaughn thing, that's why... There was reason to believe he was an advanced hitter already when they drafted him. He had a lot of success. He was a Golden Spikes Award winner in California. And then he comes to the minor league system and does well. He has success. And then the next season, like you're thinking in spring training, he was holding his own. I saw him firsthand in 2020 spring. Like It was already there. You, you, the White Sox, in speaking to the people associated to helping develop Andrew Vaughn, they were very, very high on his biomechanics. And they also believe that, you know, that just the trend of what he looked like, he was going to be up sooner than we thought, um, just in terms of anticipation. You know, things happen. You want, And the White Sox are a team that doesn't rush a prospect. They, they were going to allow him to play a lot. <laughs> it was. It's just funny to hear they don't rush prospects, and we're talking about Crochet just making it. No, and no, then, no, that was the— No, I know. It's, 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 it's yeah. just funny just right. to hear. No, I was like, what, what? So, like, with Andrew Vaughn that season, the White Sox were going to allow him to fail— and then, you know, give him enough at-bats and slowly ease him in. But I think by, like, August, September, he was a legit possibility to get called up. And I don't even want to talk about control. Like, they're not worried about service time with him because he's that good. Well, and can I talk about something that I don't think I've heard mentioned before that I'm just realizing now? Like, have you ever realized the stat while you're recording something or you haven't done well, the this research? this is happening. <laughs> Andrew Vaughn has yeah. the second most extra base hits on the White Sox. One behind uh, Jose Abreu. Not surprising. Jose Abreu has uh, 14 doubles and 15 home runs. That's 29 total. Andrew Vaughn has 18 doubles and 10 home runs. Yeah. And we're starting to awesome. see this this power yeah. come back. He might lead this team in extra base hits it's when it's all of his said and approach, done. Sean. He it's goes incredible. to all fields. And again, he has command of the strike zone. He finds barrel. I'd love to find, like, we didn't have this right away, but, like, his barrel percentage, exit velocity, that stuff, how it ranks among the league, like, that is... Some of the most encouraging types of things in Andrew Vaughn's first major league season. That's why, you know, we're going on in this segment because it's so fun to talk about the success story of Andrew Vaughn. He's my favorite. And so, like, again, though, it, mm-hmm. there's still room for him. And, like, there might be some deficiencies that might get exposed in the second half. So that's the guy I'm watching. Top 11th, an eye on. Top 11th percentile in hard hit percentage. Top 5% in max exit velocity. Yeah, um, how top, about that? Top 13 in average exit velocity. And then about, um, I don't know how to do math, tw- top 22 in barrel percentage. So, I mean, those numbers are just going to rise, too. Let's move now away from Andrew Vaughn. Great yeah. discussion there. Uh, pitcher to watch, who who, do you, who are you looking out for? Um, is it Kopech? We talked a little yeah, bit about did. those innings. 
I was going to say Kopech, okay. but I, I don't want to double down on that. So I want to, can I say the collective bullpen? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I was, well, I, I was going to talk about Crochet. So Crochet was my yeah. pitcher to watch. Um, but talk about that bullpen because it hasn't lived Just up to better. expectations yet. Get better. I think it was unexpected to have Matt Foster come up last year and pitch the way he did. He looked great. Pleasant surprise yeah. in 19. Or Same with me Hoyer, in 20. probably, too. Pleasant surprise for Foster in 20. Cody Hoyer was electric in 20. They're coming back down to earth a little bit in 2021. Mm-hmm. I think the, there's still value there. Aaron Bummer, man. Aaron Bummer was—what a bummer, you know? Yeah. Seriously. I, like, I'm sorry. But, like, that was a guy that we were expecting to be locked down in the eighth inning or match up lefty that was going to shut it down, and he, he hasn't been there. Evan Marshall went down, and he's used in high-leverage situations when I'd rather have him in, like, the sixth inning, seventh inning— not coming in with the bases loaded in the eighth inning with a game on the line, you know, stuff like that. Um, and, and just to extend it to Tony LaRusso's game manager, he's gotten better. He, like, over time, he's gotten more familiar with his roster. I hated the way that he used Matt Foster in Seattle, and this is like the first week of the season when he left him in for 46 pitches. Right, and then he just didn't use him. Yeah. For like, well, I like think a month or something But stuff happens like that. like that. You know, you're learning for him to be away from the game, a new roster on him abruptly getting right back into the swing things field manager for a team that's supposed to win the World Series for for you know the the Chicago White Sox give him a little bit of slack there it was frustrating for a long time yeah but bullpen management and I want to see the the guys come out and do their jobs this uh, second half you mentioned bummer too bummer still on the IL um that's retroactive to June 28th so he should be able to be pulled off at some point um it looks like he probably should be active I'm not sure if they're going to go with a uh with a rehab stint for him. Um, but the guy I was mentioning was Garrett Crochet. You didn't mention him in that, but he is the big lefty arm. I understand that people want to go out and get a right-handed arm, but if he comes along in this bullpen, like this is this is the weapon out of the bullpen. I understand Kopech is the the fancy, you know, impressive arm, right? But I don't think he's the bullpen arm, right? I think I think he's gonna be a starter. Sooner Ultimately, rather than later. Yeah. I think next year he's probably in the starting rotation because I don't think you're going to sign both Rodon and Lynn and then he's going to make th- th- that jump. But Crochet to me is the guy that you need to watch out for because he's been able to, at times, when his mechanics are right and when he's hitting the strike zone and when he's able to get that fastball with the right velocity, he's untouchable at, at times. And he's still learning how to pitch and he's still getting in the groove. But, Mike, I, I know you know a little bit about his positioning and how that's changed and how he's trying to find Ooh, more of a rhythm. Should we talk about that? I would love to. Um, we, I, I, yeah. I, you know my thoughts on him. I think Garrett Crochet could possibly be the best arm in the White Sox bullpen. and I, I well, He should be. I think that there are signs that he's getting there, but also signs of growing pains. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, no, that's that's great. I appreciate that because it was just something that I, I don't know if this is legit, but I'm, I'm glad I have the opportunity to kind of explain my perspective here and detail it because I saw him for the first time in person at guaranteed rate field. And you said it made a difference. And it did. When you when you see, if you're attuned to watching baseball as much as, like, I'm not saying that I, I know more than the next guy, but I, I've been watching baseball a long time, and I've scouted baseball for independent leagues for three years. Um, so, I, you know, when you see enough in person, it makes a difference because there's just things you don't see or pick up on TV. Garrett Crochet had something—it was just odd to me the way that he would set, right? His hand stayed high as he separated his his— Shoulders and his hands still stayed high. And typically there's like a, a fluidity to your motion. When you drop your hands after you're set or you come back up after you separate your hands, there wasn't any of that. It was just like step, separate, and throw without having any sort of flexibility there. And then a couple – and then there was a report from James Fegan who talked about, yeah, the White Sox are trying to make an adjustment to his mechanics. And like you said, they're 
going through growing pains with crochet because the velocity hasn't necessarily been there. The command has been off Mm -hmm. with his breaking stuff. They're fixing him on the fly, it seems, at the big league level. Right. And again, let's reference Mike Shirley talking about how they projected him to be the starter eventually when they drafted him in 2020. So when is that timetable going to be? But again, when we're talking about it here, Garrett Crochet is too valuable right now for a team that's trying to win to not have him in the bullpen, right? So Mm -hmm. I think ultimately, just to wrap up the thought, after Fegan came up with that report, a couple of outings later, I noticed that his hands were lower in his set, and there's just a minor adjustment made in his separation. So in his hands, he'll lift up his hands a little bit as he starts to his as he starts his delivery. So it's not so much a straight line when he separates his hands. Um, it's like perpendicular to his shoulders. But when he separates, there's a bit more fluidity to it just by that minor adjustment when he brings his hands up and goes. It's just more, it, it seems more natural. And I don't know when the Fegan piece came out, but it is showing on the stat line because he, he did kind of blow up against Seattle on June 27th. Uh, one and a third, uh, one run allowed, one earned, three walks, and then Tony pulled him, right? It was, it was something that I think they had a, a pretty significant lead um, or maybe they had a, a three-run lead, something like that. And then I think he left the bases loaded, and Tony's like, all right, I got to get him out of here because he's he's drowning. Um, but then since then, June 30th, July 1st, July 5th, July 7th, July 1st, he's only allowed one walk over, I believe, baseball reference is really cool because it'll let me just pop it up and show it. Uh, so over four and one-third innings, he's only allowed one walk in the past four and a third. Nice. Um, and one walk in the past four and a third. And how many appearances? Eight, what is that, three, eight, four? Eight strikeouts, five appearances. Okay. Is it? Um, Boom. He's got three appear- Three of those appearances were a full inning, and two of them were two That's and a third. That's fine. I mean, repeating the mechanics over multiple outings, that's what you're mm-hmm. looking for. And he's not getting hit. Like, he's, he's allowed one hit All in right. that four so and I'm a third. Buying. So, I, I hope back. I hope those mechanics are right. I hope that delivery comes through, and that's the guy I want to watch out for yeah. because if he comes through, I think it makes it way easier for the bullpen. And then maybe Bummer is used in less high leverage scenarios, or he's used less, and maybe we can avoid injury because yeah. Bummer Bummer was yeah. still trying to he he started to find his his stroke before he got injured. Um, his delivery so he started to find to his, his 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 rhythm, but crochet turning around I think would really add yeah. that next I know level we have to get out of here and we're taking up everybody's time and oh, appreciate wow. you sticking we went, around we a long time. yeah we're, we're continuing here <laughs> and I appreciate everybody listening and thanks to Tanny and Herb once again this is my final thought on, on what I brought to the table regarding his mechanics when Garrett Crochet was throwing a fastball I knew he was going to throw a fastball and if I knew he was going to throw a fastball then everybody else did right when he separated into that off-speed offering you could tell that, so if he separated early, then his front half would have to catch up because, or excuse me, his lower half would have to catch up. So if he separated early, his front half was already committing and his lower half would have to go further, or quicker mm-hmm. to home plate. If he's late separating, his front half's already going towards home plate and his front half has to get going quicker. So I, that'll throw you off. The timing, the rhythm, everything. The mechanics are in terms of control it's out the window. But also, it has something to do with, when I when I mentioned fluidity, that minor, when you're bringing up the hands a little bit, it's it's easier for him to deceive the hitter with what he's coming at you with. It's, it's very subtle, but it's enough. Hopefully, you know, if you can—and tell me I'm crazy. Give us a call, leave us a voicemail, send us a message on whatever— Tell me that I'm wrong, but watch it. Keep an eye on that from now, uh, you know, moving on from now on. 
Great stuff, Mike. I'm Sean Anderson. That's Mike Rake, and we're going to take a quick break here on Lockdown Sox. This episode of Lockdown White Sox is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Money lines every night, over unders. It's all there for you if you enjoy betting on baseball at Bet Online. They've got all the other sports too: NBA Finals coming to a close, football futures, golf. I've talked to you about some of the crazy fun prop bets they have going on at Bet online got some new ones here just added aside from the alien abduction props which i always enjoy they have who will bill gates date next what about jeff bezos who will marry first bezos or gates you can place a bet on that before the next pitch head to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest information don't sit on the sidelines anymore this is your chance to get in on the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason head to the website and use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Lockdown Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Lockdown Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Mike, Herb and Tanny are going to be back to recap the weekend series with the Astros. We don't have the pitching matchups right now for the Sox. Uh, McCullers, Ordorizzi, and Valdez will be going up against the Sox. We don't have the Sox um, rotation because right. I think they're still trying to figure out what they're going to do with Monday's doubleheader against it's a good Minnesota. Test. It's a good test. Um, I, you know, I, I think that probably it makes sense to go with Rodon since he hasn't pitched in a while to start it off, but really unsure on what they will do. But Mike, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Man, this was so fun. This was so fun. Hopefully we get a chance to do it again soon. Uh, Chris Tannehill and Herb Lawrence make it look so easy. This is this is not, you know. There's <laughs> but it's a lot, lot of fun. Of, it's a ton of fun. Yeah. But, we, you know, the prep that goes into it, the work, the promotion to make this as successful as it is, and for them to have the confidence in allowing us to babble and rabble and all this other stuff, it's been fun. And they're under the gun, too. Whenever those games end, they yeah. have about an hour to just True. get it in without any mistakes. So shout out to Herb and Tanny. We really appreciate them for letting us fill in, and we appreciate everyone who listened when we were filling in. We really do appreciate it. And keep giving giving Tanny and Herb the love. It's my favorite podcast, and I was part of the reason why I, I wanted to fill in was so I didn't lose episodes. So now <laughs> I didn't lose my episodes. I can go back to Tanny and Herb. I'm really excited. That's my guy, Mike Rankin. Follow him on Twitter at Rankin906. I'm Sean Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can find the show at Lockdown Socks on Twitter and Instagram. You could also find the Lockdown Socks YouTube page where you can see Tanny and Herb's faces. And you can email them at LockdownSocks at gmail.com and get your voicemails in at 312-566-8727. I think we have a voicemail. Are we going to leave somebody with this? We do have a voicemail. Right. Let's, okay. let's, let's leave on this note for Mike Rakin. I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you. Take it away, Frank Minichino. Yeah, Frank Minichino over here. Worst day of the year for Frank. Home run derby. Benetti's out there calling it on ESPN, too. Betrayed me. You know what happens to people who betray me. the home run.